And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Attention, people of Earth. Do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. Hello everyone and welcome to Earth Destruction Directive. I am your host as always, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. I'd like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to the show today. Hope everyone enjoyed our last episode where we took a look at, um, as far as I'm concerned, one of the absolute best Daikaiju films of all time, Gamera 2 Advent of Legion. We are uh, we're sticking with film, but we are jumping back over to Godzilla and we are jumping back into the Showa period. And uh, you know that it's film in the show line. It's Godzilla versus Megalon. And when I say we are taking a look at this, I am not speaking in a uh, in a, in a uh, grammatically incorrect sense because I have a guest. So please welcome to Earth Destruction Directive. You may remember him from his guest spots on Get Back to the Wrestling a couple of times. And you may remember that he is responsible for the name of at least one episode of Earth Destruction Directive. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to my friend Joe Butler. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Hey Luke. Hey everybody out there in podcast land. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, man. How you doing? Uh, I can't complain. It's uh it's uh, been a good good Saturday, and uh, I'm back to work. As I've talked to you about a little offline, it's kind of nice being employed again. Uh, so yeah, I'm doing great. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, for those who may not remember, way back in hallowed antiquity, when I covered <laughs> the first the first Daimajin movie. Which you can go go get that Arrow box set if you want to get the Dimogene movies. When we covered the when I covered the first one, I watched that with Joe, and he coined the line as we were watching it that became not only the title of that episode but also one of the unwritten rules here at Earth Destruction Directive, which is you never kill the old priestess. Never. I mean, I don't understand why that's ever a good idea in anybody's <laughs> vocabulary, especially if you're the villain. That just seems no. like you're asking for a curse. Yeah, and 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 sure enough, in Daimajin, it it comes pretty pretty much, you know. It's like, oh yeah, that's uh, the last ten minutes of that movie. That's uh, ooh. <laughs> bad things, bad things. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So today we're taking a look, as I said, to uh, looking at Godzilla vs. Megalon, and I had had you penciled in for Godzilla vs. Megalon for quite a while. So why don't you um, enlighten us? What's your background with uh, Godzilla, with giant monsters in general, or Godzilla vs. Megalon in particular? Well, uh, interestingly enough, I guess I would have to say, starting off with the Godzilla, uh, the first movie I ever watched with Godzilla that I can clearly remember was Godzilla 1985. And it, and it of course, is the U.S. version with Perry Mason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not long after that, my family, we got the Sci-Fi Channel, so I started watching more monster movies. Uh, as a little kid, I watched, you know, at the time, I didn't realize it was anime, but lots of giant robot stuff, cartoons, stuff like that. So swinging straight into giant monsters was a very obvious niche. And my parents kind of fed that with VHS tapes, you know, Godzilla versus King Kong, um, like the pre-mentioned uh, Godzilla 1985, um, but Mothra. You know, I've watched a fair bit. I've probably forgotten most of the movies I've watched, to be honest with you. Um, but um, I have my favorites, uh, you know. 
Uh, Godzilla, uh, 1985 is a soft spot for me. Uh, I like War of the Gargantuas. Uh, mm. I like, sadly, well, not really sadly, because it is my guilty pleasure, so I don't care what other people think, but Godzilla Final Wars is a personal favorite of mine because of how ridiculous that movie is. That is, Final Wars, I think, was the first of the really, really polarizing Godzilla movies <laughs> in the fandom. You know, you were either really on board with it or really not uh, not digging it you know there oh, wasn't yeah. a whole lot of middle ground on that oh film. no 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 that one is a 100 polarizing movie and i understand why but i love it because it's over the top <laughs> uh so yeah for 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 godzilla that's kind of things i've been used to and i don't know if i go so far as to say like i'm a super fan but i'm definitely a kaiju enthusiast anything giant monsters i'm on board with i couldn't quote you like actors names in the year a movie came out but if if there's giant monster and or robot fighting involved i'm right there that's all i'm saying mm. yeah. um but as far as godzilla versus megalon and this one you might recall um if you remember again back in the hallow days of antiquity when we were in college, uh, I had a GameCube, and we put many an hour into uh, Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee. Mm -hmm. And uh, I seem to remember at the time, a lot of people kind of bashing on Megalon, saying, oh, it's, screw Megalon, I want to play Mechagodzilla. No, I want to be it. Man, this Gigan guy is cool. Actually, I think you end up getting Gigan yes. uh, as the regular in, in the apartment. But uh, I'm like, well, hang on. I'm going to I'm gonna figure out Megalon's movesets. And I seem to remember kicking some some serious butt with the drill hand bug so i kind of became a fanboy of megalon ever since then and then went back and rewatched godzilla versus megalon and i mean come on it has jet jaguar and oh. gigan and i mean let, let's let's we'll get into the movie more but i mean it's uh it's a fun movie it's yes. not the greatest movie but it's still a fun movie <laughs> Yeah, that that's the diplomatic way to say it. It it is a fun movie. You know, it's I I I recall got uh, Destroy All Monsters Melee, and and you're right because you were you had been like mastering Megalon, and yep. so I went I I went over to your apartment and you were playing as Megalon and you're like you know and you said basically anything man you know I'm they 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 you know everyone online saying that Megalon's not a good character it's like I'm I'm doing all sorts of stuff and I'm like well I said do you have Gigan? And you said yes, and I said, "Well, Gigan and Megalon are partners." And you're like, "You're like, that's right." I think, like, like you could see the <laughs> dawning realization. So yeah. we were, we we would do the two on two with that, and it's like as Gigan and Megalon, and we're just like, "Nah, nah." We're, the, the 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 space monsters are taking the day here, even though Megalon's from Earth, but he's sort of a space monster. But uh, you know, he's an invader nonetheless, right? So yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll uh, get into that because I kind of yeah. I kind of was scratching my head a little bit when I was rewatching the movie. I was like, I forgot that connection there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, good stuff. Yeah, I uh, I've not played Destroy Monsters Melee in some time. That was a that was a fun game. I remember, I remember Gigan had the one where he would like leap in the air, then he would do like a like a U dive bomb with the jet cutter. Yep, and very and much would, very and, much in yeah. line with the movie. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, all right. So why don't we get right into it here uh, and let's let's dive right in because there's uh, there's a fair amount to cover here. So Godzilla versus Megalon known in the Japanese as Gojiratai Megaro, is uh, from 1973. It was the 13th movie in the Godzilla series. It was released to Japanese theaters by Toho on March 17th, 1973. Made its way over to the U.S. three years later, 1976. CinemaShares released a dubbed version theatrically. Now, this was coming out 
like I said, 1976. So this was, you know, um, the summer of 76. So it was coming on all the hype that was coming up for uh, Kong 76 that came out in the at the end of 1976. And so the poster art famously for the American release of Godzilla vs. Megalon shows Godzilla and Megalon battling on top of the World Trade Center. It is, is it really? an insane poster. It is absolutely insane. I got to look yeah. this up now. <laughs> it's, it's classic. Uh, this was uh, this was the second of three movies that CinemaShares released for Godzilla. Huge, huge publicity hype machine that they built for this. Um, they put out buttons with the monsters' faces on them. But uh, that poster was in a lot of places. And they actually did a four-page comic book that came out and was distributed to theaters a couple of weeks before the movie came out. The, the comic book is famously riddled with all sorts of errors. Like, uh, jet <laughs> Jaguar is called by the very creative name of robot man. Oh, very creative. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Wiley rejected that one. I think <laughs> I got robot man. No, that's a little generic. I think I don't know why my Dr. Wiley sounds like grew, but you know, yeah. Um, and uh, and they also call uh, Gigan Borodon in the uh, in the comic as well. So not you know not winning any Eisners, but still, hey, that was you know the first appearance of Godzilla in a comic book in uh, <laughs> in the United States, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. Uh, movie actually did really good business in the U.S. Considering how um, you know that mainly it was just the uh, the the marketing budget it didn't cost Cinema Shares a lot of money to get the movie. Uh, but it was not a real commercial success in Japan. In fact, it was the first uh, Godzilla film that Toho had released that actually sold less than a million tickets, which was that was a, uh, you know, th this was part of the the general depression of the economy in the early 1970s and the rise of television in, in Japan. So not a huge hit for um, for Toho. Uh, now, the crew a little bit are film directed by June Fukuda. Uh, long and storied career uh, for Toho. Started out as the assistant director on Rodan way back in 1956, but uh, uh, had become a director in his own right. He directed uh, Ibra Horror of the Deep. He had directed Son of Godzilla. He directed the previous year's Godzilla vs. Gigan uh, and would go on to direct Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla the next year and also The War in Space, which is a, a fun uh, space opera that we've covered on the show. Shout out to Jimmy from NASA over at the Monster Island Film Vault, and um, uh, but not, not a monster movie per se, but a really fun space opera. Uh, June, Fuku June Fukuda also credited with the screenplay. Now, the story goes that uh, Shinichi Sekizawa, who was credited with a story, did not have time to write the whole screenplay, so just gave kind of a story outline, and then Fukuda fleshed it out. Sekizawa, of course, is, you know, the writer, air quotes up to the mic, of um, of the uh, the you know the, basically the golden age into uh, the 70s of um, Daikaiju at Toho. He wrote Varan. He wrote Mothra. King Kong versus Godzilla. Atragon. Mothra versus Godzilla. Dogura. Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Invasion of Astro Monsters. Ibra Horror of the Deep. Son of Godzilla. Uh, wrote Mighty Jack. Wrote Latitude Zero. All monsters attack. You know, just all sorts of of stuff in there. And in in there also had. Uh, an opportunity to write one episode of Ultraman. So, uh, you know, you can't talk the Showa period of Toho without uh, Shinichi Sekizawa. Um, the director of special effects are by Toriyoshi Nakano. 
Nakano, of course, was Eji Tsuburaya's assistant throughout the 1960s, but had become Toho's chief effects guy starting in 1971 with Godzilla vs. Hedra. Um, unfortunately, Nakano given almost no money at all to do new effects in this film. Uh, as as we will we will see, there is not a whole lot of new stuff. There is there is one really good standout bit of new stuff, but a lot of it they you know they just didn't have a lot of the money to work with. Our producer, of course, Tomoyuki Tanaka, who produced all of the uh, Godzilla films before he passed away. So very familiar name to Godzilla fans. Little bit here on the cast. Um, so uh, Goro, that's the scientist. He is played by Katsuhiko Sasaki. Uh, he was a, a regular at this time period for Toho, but also came back in the uh, in the uh, in the 90s as well, or in the 80s and 90s. So I thought this was interesting. He appeared in Evil of Dracula and Prophecies of Nostradamus, and then would later appear in Terror of Mechagodzilla. Then he came back in the Heisei period, and he was in Godzilla vs. Biolante in 89, and Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah in 91. Now, Joe, I think uh, this one really struck me. This was really funny. And besides his um, face acting, He's actually done some voice acting. And really? Yes. And Sasuke is credited as doing the voice, the Jap the, the voice in the Japanese dub of the character Admiral Stents from Godzilla 2014 and Godzilla King of the Monsters. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I would that just amused the heck out of me. Admiral Stents, for the, those of you may not remember, he was the admiral on the aircraft carrier in the first one, and then he's the one that they that drops the oxygen destroyer on Godzilla in King of the Monsters. Now I gotta go back and watch that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, his his co-star. You know, we're not quite sure on the relationship between uh, uh, Goro and uh, and um, or Hiroshi, but Hiroshi is played by uh, Yutaka Hayashi. This is actually his only um, monster genre credit. I uh, checked out his IMDb. He's got a lot of TV from this era and appears mostly to be like, you know, crime or p- procedural type of shows, which were popular in Japan in the in the 70s, but not really known as a, a genre guy. And now Roku, that's Goro's little brother. He's played by Hiroyuki Kawase. Now, you might remember, he was Ken in Godzilla vs. Hedra. He was the kid from Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. Oh, he was the same kid? Yes. Or same actor, play, or same, yeah, same actor playing the, the little kid. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other one, this was strange. I don't know what to make of this credit. So he is, he, on IMDb, it says, appears uncredited in Saru no Gundam. And Saru no Gundam that is Army of the Apes, better known here in the U.S., especially to Misty fans, as Time of the Apes. <laughs> That's the Japanese uh, Planet of the Apes riff that uh, Sandy Frank turned, you know, brought over here to the U.S. He says he appears uncredited, so I don't know if he's just one of the kids in the school at the beginning or something. I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of that. I think it would be too cool if, you know, Ken from Hedra and Roku from Megalon was also in Time of the Apes. That that would just be like some kind of weird, like Kurt Russell sort of situation. <laughs> He's crossing the streams, man. He's crossing the stream. <laughs> All right. Now, this one also really popped to me. So uh, Antonio, that's the leader of the of Cetopia, wearing his toga and his little Megalon uh, tiara. OK, played by Robert Dunham. Now, get this. Robert Dunham, a former U.S. Marine who became an expat living in Japan after he was honorably discharged from the Marine Corps after the war. 
Now, he not only, you know, was was in this, he appeared several times in Japanese uh, science fiction movies because he could speak Japanese. He very clearly he was, was speaking American. English so he in appeared the movie. in Mothra. Yes, he was. <laughs> and so he, he was in Mothra. He's in Mothra versus Godzilla, Dogura, and the Green Slime. And he also did voice acting on dubs for Titan Studios for Son of Godzilla and Destroy All Monsters. So he could speak English and Japanese. So a lot of times on these types of films where they'd have Nick Adams, you could always see this too. They would be speaking English on set and then they would either use their dialogue when they released it in, in the U.S. or in English-speaking territories or they would dub it again, but it would still match up the words. So and um, so Dunham is actually not, he hit, that's not his voice we hear in the dub. It's a different person playing him but i just thought that was so I, I never gave him a second thought until i was looking it up for this i was like that is crazy it's a very very talented individual right there I yeah, thought because, yeah and and just and and beyond that he also ran a successful import export business out of japan for years out of tokyo it's like guy got a pretty good pretty good gig for himself after the marines man yeah <laughs> i was going to comment on sideburns because he had some amazing <laughs> sideburns in this movie it is 1973, you know. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it is dated. There's not yeah. really. I mean, I kept telling myself that I was watching movies. It is in the 70s. Let it go. It's. Yeah. <laughs> so, real quick, I want to talk about the monster cast because there there is some interesting stuff in this. So, Godzilla is played by Shinji Takagi, and of course, uh, this is the first time Godzilla is being played by someone other than Haru Nakajima. Uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan was Nakajima's swan song as Godzilla. This is the only time that uh, Tagaki played a monster for Toho. There's very little info on him out there. Uh, so I don't really have a whole lot. You know, he, he would not come back for them in any capacity that I could find. Megalon was played by uh, Hidito Date. And the only other credit I have for him is that he appeared as a goon in the tokusatsu show Thunder Mask, which I've never heard of. Uh, yeah, I got no idea what that is. Yeah. Um, now, this was interesting. According to Wikizilla, Date was in the same theater troupe as Sugatoshi Kamada, who played Jet Jaguar. So <laughs> they already knew each other. And uh, Kamada went on to appear in two other tokusatsu shows that I've never heard of. Iron Man Tiger 7, which I don't know nothing about it, but it sounds cool. Right that's front. I, yeah, that's like the best title I've heard in a while. <laughs> And 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 also in this this one sounds pretty good too. The Adventures of Rock Bat. Okay, yeah, I like the so first one better, but that it, one's not bad either. So is it is it like a guy with like stone and bat powers? Is he like a bat that plays rock and roll? Or does he have a giant so bat many... that's made out of rock? I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> I mean, really here. It it raises more questions than it answers, frankly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Now, what's interesting is that Kamada, if you have the Criterion Edition box set, the Godzilla Showa box set, he does have an interview on that box set talking about playing Jet Jaguar. Apparently, oh, he had cool. nothing but good memories of playing Jet Jaguar, which is which is wonderful. Um, now, Date and Kamada were also in the same theater troupe as Kempichiro Satsuma, who plays Gigan. Now, this is Satsuma, of course. Uh, he would, he's billed as Kengo Nakayama here, but Satsuma uh, would uh, play Godzilla through all the Heisei movies. So he is beloved for playing the the 80s and 90s Godzilla. 
but he was just getting his start here. He had played Hedra in 1971, and he had also played Gigan in 72. So he came back as Gigan here, uh, but would go on under said under the name uh, under under his build as uh, Nakayama, but build as Satsuma. He would get uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fan favorite performances from the the Heisei Godzilla films all through the 80s and 90s. So and I, I it's always neat that because you, you know you know. The studio system was was broken up by this point, but Toa still had a lot of the same people that they worked with, and uh, and you know so they would you know you'd see these guys coming back time and time again. So that was that I always thought was neat that he got to start playing the bad guys and then got to play the big man himself. You know. Yeah, that's kind of I mean I kind of like that aspect of it of that that whole and that's the thing I I think that's more a um, flagship of the past is the studio system where you would have a group that you would work with regularly and they would kind of work their way up into different roles over time as they've kind of gained some seniority and experience. I, I thought that was kind of a cool aspect. Yeah. All right. So that's that's all I've got on the crew and the cast. So uh, unless you got anything else you want to touch on, I think we can get into the synopsis. Well, um, and, and I could be off on this one, but um, earlier when you were describing the budget, a thing that came into my mind was also that didn't they have a really short timeline when it came to filming this movie? Because for some reason, I, I felt like I read somewhere that they did not have a full schedule because they had planned to do a different movie, which got scrapped last minute. And so they put this together and rushed it to try and have something to fill that gap. Yeah, it's not it, it's 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 not far off. The uh, the the um, the the story goes that there was the the the, the picture Godzilla versus Red Moon, which was never made. It's one of the there's a whole list of these Godzilla films that were announced that were never made, and supposedly with Godzilla versus Red Moon being canceled, this one was pushed up. And what's what's really odd is that there was in fact. It was a six-month period that the film was in production, which is, you know, fairly generous. But they only shot over three weeks because a lot of that was doing the the very quick turnaround on production to get stuff made and everything else. So, yes, this was shot on a very tight timetable and with a very reduced budget, which is part of the reason that, you know, the certain choices, creative choices are made in this film. That I feel that explains a few things. <laughs> The, okay. the other thing I do want to mention, you know, there, um, there there's a long been a, a rumor that this was supposed to be a solo Jet Jaguar film. Uh, but that has there's never been anything found to support that claim. Um, instead, what uh, what has been verified was that Jet Jaguar came about because Toho had a contest in 1972 for for school kids I to create a this. robot. I heard about this story. <laughs> yes. And the winner was a uh, was for a uh, an elementary school student who created a character called Red Alone. Red Alone was the uh, you know original idea the kid had a little drawing original drawing the kid had that eventually became Jet Jaguar. And of course the kid was you know was like well it doesn't really look like my drawing, you know. Right, right. I seem to recall <laughs> that there was a little bit I don't know if it was really negative publicity more so there was just some arguments but again rumor story not really sure that it's true or not. But the kid was upset cuz his original design was red and white and didn't look anything like <laughs> the Jet Jaguar that we got in the movie. So yeah. I, thought, I thought that was a fan, a, a very interesting fan story, if not or true story. Who knows? I don't have anything to corroborate that. So I thought it was very interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, the other thing I did want to mention is that the character of Megalon, 
uh, actually was um, had been around for a while. The uh, back in All Monsters Attack, which we might call Godzilla's Revenge here in the U.S., uh, Gabara. One of the options for Gabara that was kind of toyed with was as a giant mole cricket, which is similar to what Megalon is based on. And then in um, uh, one of the scripts that was commissioned that um, was going to become Godzilla vs. Gigan, there is a version with Megalon in there teamed up with, Gig- with Gigan and King Ghidorah. Now that was the one. I don't again. I don't, I don't know how much of this you've, you've read, but there were multiple scripts written for that, and they were all extremely ambitious. Oh, and okay. one of them had the three space monsters under the command of like a disembodied brain named Miko, and they were fighting against Godzilla and Anguirus and a um, essentially Daimajin. It was a a, a new character it was going to be a, like a living ma- uh, Majin statue that Miko oh. wanted. To, they wanted to use Gigan's jet cutter to cut open his stone head so that Miko could stick his brain inside it and have a body. That's actually kind of interesting and a little bit deeper plot than what we got in Godzilla vs. <laughs> Megalon. Yeah, uh. well, the, yeah, the budget, of course, was kind of sabotaged that movie. Not to the extent of this one, but... So to, to kind of go back, because I've always, I've always wondered about this, because I've never... I mean, I've wondered, but as usual, I didn't get off my butt and go do the research on it. So Megalon is the is he based off of a mole cricket? Because I always wondered if it was a mole cricket or a cicada. I I believe it's supposed to be a mole cricket. I mean, okay. he looks more like a beetle with the thing on his head. I didn't right. think that you know. So he's he's like kind of all over the place. Yeah, and mole crickets are weird looking bugs. Don't get me wrong. I've seen many of them growing up here in the south. And the burrowing thing thought, you know, kind of clicks. But when I look at the wings and I was thinking of the digging aspect with the drill arms, I'm like, maybe he's supposed to be a cicada. I don't know. (laughs) I always wondered that. And well, of course, it does also begs the question. It's like, I understand that they're, uh, you know, I guess they're sort of subterranean. But, you know, why is there a, uh, you know, why, why is a bug living in the water kingdom? So, okay, okay, do we want to get into that? Because I kind of want to, I got a bone to pick with that. Okay, why on earth, like you said, does a, is a kingdom known as freaking Seatopia choose to have a large insect as its avatar of vengeance? Why not a sea creature? <laughs> Conversely, in the movie, they do take the time to spend at least two lines of dialogue to say that we were buried under the ocean's depths underground. I'm like, okay, so maybe they were buried underground. Then why not change your name from Seatopia to something else? Because you're no longer an underwater civilization. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little thing that was bugging the bejeebus out of me when I was watching this. I'm like, okay, you're Seatopia, and you choose to send your giant bug to. Okay, sure, sounds yeah. good, makes total sense. Yeah, it's funny. I'm on Wikizilla here, and. So they're, they, they've got some background here that this is Meg, now this is from Wikizilla that I'm reading this. Megalon's design was inspired by a combination of several different insects with, according to the special effects director Teriyoshi Nakano, the face being based on a Japanese rhinoceros beetle, okay. the body after a cicada, and the movements after grasshoppers despite standing upright. Originally, Nakano wanted the monster to be based on a dragonfly, and ladybugs were also briefly considered, but he ultimately settled on the Japanese rhinoceros beetle. Possibly, this one's funny, to cash in on their popularity amongst children at the time. Oh, that was a thing? 
<laughs> Mom, I'm going down to the store. I'm going to buy another rhinoceros beetle. Don't you spend another yen on another rhinoceros beetle, young man. You've already killed three in the last month. You clearly aren't responsible enough with your yen or your rhinoceros beetles. <laughs> My goodness. Okay, well, that's interesting. I, I find So I kind of feel slightly vindicated about the cicada thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just picture the kid running down, like, uh, from Time of the Apes. I don't care! You know. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like this, these just, you know, you could just see a group of friends after school running down to the local shop. Hey, I want my rhinoceros beetle for this week. You know, I mean, it's like they're not comic books, kids. They're anyway. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this movie's a little odd. You know that? I'm just putting that out there. Well, just, like uh, I said, it's not necessarily a great movie, but it is a fun movie. There is a very, very good distinction there. <laughs> yes. All right, so uh, what? Why don't we? Why don't we get into this movie that we've been talking about here for a while, and uh, let, let's see what this Godzilla's Megalon thing is shindig is all about. So, in the first part of 1971 or 1970X, if you're watching the Japanese one, and what I should say, our synopsis comes from Wikipedia, so uh, credit to where it's due. In the first part of 1971, the most recent underground nuclear test set off near the Aleutian Islands sends shockwaves across the globe as far even as Monster Island in the South, South Pacific, severely damaging the island paradise and sending Rodan and Anguirus plummeting into the depths of the earth with Godzilla narrowly escaping the fissure which his friends have tumbled into. I love that this movie starts with stock footage. Yep. Uh, this stock footage from Destroy All Monsters, which is why we get Rodan and Anguirus. Um, but, uh, you know, I have to say from from watching other films with my kids that has stock footage in it the kids love this they love getting the other monsters even if it's only just for a brief cameo so like my like like both my daughters loved the fact that you know manda was in destroy all monsters for like a couple of minutes you know wow. so okay. i am sure they they both love manda for some but i'm sure that they would love that rodan and Anguirus showed up here for a matter of seconds they do get that split second cameo i mean there's We'll get into it, but there's definitely plenty of stock footage for this time period yeah. in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I see, to me as a kid, I was a huge uh, Rodan fan. And this was all I knew Anguirus from because I didn't have, uh, when I was when I first saw this movie, I had not seen Destroy All Monsters or Godzilla vs. Gigan. So this is all I knew Anguirus from at that point. So I was like, man, I wonder if he's in any other movies, you know? <laughs> 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 Just to it doesn't do a whole lot. You know? <laughs> For years, Seatopia, an opulent undersea civilization that resides in vast cities reminiscent of those of ancient Greece and ancient Rome, has existed in relative peace, ruled by Emperor Antonio. But nuclear tests in recent years have severely affected the cities via the earthquakes the tests produced. With the Seatopian badly, capital badly affected by the most recent tests, the Cetopians plan to unleash their, civiliza their civilization's beetle-style god, Megalon, to destroy the surface world out of vengeance. And now you, you, you talked about this. I've always wondered why does an undersea kingdom have a beetle as their monster god? And what's kind of interesting, again, I think a lot of this goes back to the fact that uh, Sekizawa just wrote a story idea. The story idea was basically, oh, instead of the invaders coming from outer space, it's an invaders from inside the Earth that are an undersea kingdom that are attacking Earth and Godzilla has to fight them. So it was a very broad outline right. that was, was developed. 
And that they decided to go with a bug was always so strange. But, you know, there's a lot of strange choices of things like this in the Godzilla series. And it's like, well, why not? Maybe he was there. You know, he could have been their monster god when they were living on the surface, I suppose. Right. And interestingly enough, it does make some sense in the sense or as far as placing the character in the setting, because Megalon being a a bug creature slash kaiju with drill arms is able to tunnel through the crevices created by the earthquakes and so forth and can get to the surface very easily. All of that tracks. I'm just one of those guys who gets a little bit irritated by why are you called Seatopia living at the bottom of the ocean and you have a bug god? I don't know. And it's not even like a water beetle or anything like that. I'm like, come on. See, that's where the dragonfly would have made sense because a dragonfly nymph is born in the water, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine if like a little water, you know, dragonfly nymph giant version had gotten up to the surface and then it molted? You could have whole had a whole little mini story there of this giant thing that they find. You know, granted, you'd be kind of doing Mothra at that point, but you well, know, you know, if you're gonna rip something off, rip off something good, right? This is true. This is very true. Yeah, you know, that's kind of. Like, I guess. I guess uh, Megajirus kind of fits that role, right? I mean, he starts oh, yeah. out as uh, the little Mega Neuron and then becomes a Mega Neura and then big old Megajirus. That's a very that's a very good point. That's a very obvious comparison. <laughs> you know what's funny? Megagirus actually has more functional hands than Megalon does. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, I'm just putting that out there into the universe. Uh, so slight tangent, and uh, I'm 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 going to assume you remember this. Do you remember uh, what was that web comic we read? Twisted, Twisted Kaiju, Kaiju Theater. Yes. And the fact that you wrote in this idea for the strip and the guy followed through with it, which was, yes. which, which was, hey, <laughs> he's got the little mini of Gigan and Megalon talking. And it's like, yeah, I used the blue tack too to use the toilet paper. <laughs> yep. Otherwise, I got to go see the proctologist again. <laughs> Oh man, that I uh, I I was almost in tears. I was laughing so hard when I actually read that. Because <laughs> you you told me the joke, and then to actually see it in webcomic form, I was I was floored. It was hilarious. Man, that 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 was you talk about hallowed antiquity. Yeah, man. Oh my God, that was twenty years ago for crying yeah, out loud. I try not to count these numbers. <laughs> oh my God, let me tell you something. Um, you know, my wife and I today we were talking about Triple H. You know, as a husband and wife do often talk about Triple H, you know, that happens a lot. And yeah, all the time, man. You know, you, okay. you're, not, you're not married, so you may not. No, see, it. I don't understand these things. So that's what I'm yeah. trying to understand. They talk to your brother. I'm sure I'm sure your brother and your sister-in-law talk about Triple H, you know, <laughs> added, other Attitude Era guys, you know, Kane, probably Steve Austin, The Rock. They, they come up a lot. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but I said, uh, you know, and. and and I said, I said, well, you used to like Triple H. He's like, well, yeah, he was in really good shape back then. He's like, it was only, you know, 25 years ago that we're talking about. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, nope. Oh, nope. man. Can't do it. Yeah, what's, uh, what's that uh, bit from uh, Futurama? You know, as they say, time makes fools of us all. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there yogurt in this cap? <laughs> Well, I had some milk and I put it in there. <laughs> and as they say. <laughs> okay. I guess we should get back on top. <laughs> okay. So tangents abound here on Earth Destruction Directive. So on the surface, an inventor named 
Goro Ibuki, his little brother Roku, and Goro's friend Hiroshi are off on an outing near a lake when Seatopia makes itself known to the Earth by drying up the lake the trio was relaxing nearby to use it as a base of operations. So the um, the bit that has always stuck with me ever since I was a little kid, that little dolphin paddle boat that Roku oh, was on. What the hell was that? That is the most <laughs> absurd thing. Like, I'm sitting there watching going, one, I don't understand how it functions because the kid's paddling and it's not really working. And then there are other scenes where, like, they're trying to haul him in the shore from the earthquake and it's like it's moving but clearly the child is not paddling i'm like i don't understand how this works yeah. it's one a thing made of nightmares and like i'm fairly certain <laughs> if you did shrooms and witnessed this you would you would have an experience that you would never forget uh, <laughs> i mean I, i'm i mean i'm watching this thing sober and i can't get it out of my head i can't imagine if you were on something golly it's such a bizarre little floaty paddle boat thing it's just it's because it's like he's sitting on a giant cartoon dolphin and then the two paddles on the side are little dolphins that in the i guess it's supposed to mimic jumping out of the waves yeah as he paddles and it's it just seems highly inefficient and just made of it's just nightmare fuel (laughs) the the other thing i i like in this scene I'm a sucker anytime we see like ephemera from a different era. And so when we've got Goro and Hiroshi on the, on the shore, they take out, he takes out out of their, their picnic basket. It got a bottle of Coke and a bottle of Fanta. <laughs> so I just really like that. We get to see the, the, cause this happened on an episode of Ultraman too, where there were a bunch of girls having like a picnic and they brought the bottle of Coke and it was like a Japanese, a bottle of, coke that was styled to be sold in japan in like 1967 so here we got you know the japanese coke and japanese fanta bottles you know the distinctive uh you know shaped bottles i thought that was really neat you know yeah, uh, the, like the other to, thing is go ahead no i was gonna say i would also like to point out that you have mentioned the names of these characters more than the movie itself does <laughs> in the first 15 minutes I, want, yeah, I just would like to go on record that I did not know the names of these characters. And I actually, I honestly didn't know the name of the best friend. I just referred to him as Cool Bro in my <laughs> headcanon because I honestly don't remember them ever calling out his name in the entirety of the movie. No, like you get Goro, yeah. right? And I yeah. forget the little brother, which for the record also, it's not entirely clear up front that he's supposed to be the little brother. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, are you his son? Are you the plucky sidekick? I'm going to go with little brother because that's the only thing I can think of that makes sense during this era for you to be living with this crazy inventor. Yeah. The, there, there is a read. Now, you're right. I don't think Hiroshi's name is said at all in the dub. I don't think it is, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, so I, you know, it, again, it's, it, they're, they're operating. And I watched the dub for this because that, that's the one that I remember the most is the dub. I have Same. obviously the Criterion one, but. I watched the dub and it's like, yeah, they don't think they say his name at all. I don't, I, when I was a kid, none of these people had names. You know? <laughs> none of them. They were just, oh, that guy and that guy and the kid. Now, there is a reading, and I don't know what you're going to think about this. There is a reading that exists of this film that posits Goro and Hiroshi as lovers. And Roku still as Goro's little brother. But the reason why, you know, it's okay for Goro and Hiroshi to be hanging out at the beach having a picnic is that they're they're not they're 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 friendly, you know, with air quotes up to the mic. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, you know, frankly, I, it doesn't impact the story one way or the other. It's just like you know, flavor text, if you will. 
So it's like, eh, I could see that. I mean, I don't think that was the case in 1973 in Japan. I don't no, think that's what they I were mean, going for. But if you want to read it that way, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if that's what you want to read for your headcanon, you can have that. I mean, I don't think it impacts the story in either way. I just, for, for the era and the time period, it's just one of those, like, it's two buddies. Like, I honestly looked at it as the wacky inventor whose buddy, who's much cooler than him, hangs out with them. Yes. Like, that's honestly what it is. I, I I don't see it any other way. It's like, it's two, two, two buddies, yeah. you know? And I still, like I said, I can't, I can never remember what you said. It was Hitoshi. Hiroshi. Hiroshi, my bad. Hiroshi. I don't know his name. Yeah. They never say it. <laughs> and like you said, the version that I'm most familiar with is the U.S. dub version. So, yeah, I'm like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> The, the other thing that is pretty neat about this scene, the drained lake is actually a fairly decent effect, all things yeah, considered is. in this. Yeah. So that's actually not a bad effect, considering, um, again, that, that there's very few new effects here that are really using miniatures and stuff like that. So I actually kind of like that one. It, and, it, and it's unique. They never did that. They never drained a lake any other time in a, in a, in a Godzilla movie that I'm aware of, that I can think of. So I don't think so either, but yeah. Mm. Usually that's, things are coming right. up out of the lake. Also true. <laughs> yeah, that so. is actually a pretty cool effect. Like I said, uh, there, there's some there's some things. As much as I'm bragging on some of the stuff at the very beginning, because you know you got to get the story going, but uh, that is actually a really cool scene at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Crazy so dolphin paddle boat notwithstanding. Yeah. Ridiculous boat. That's got to be a real thing. That's that can't be something that Toho created. That's got to be an actual product. You know? <laughs> I mean, it was the seventies. It's more than likely. <laughs> Every now and again, you look at things and it's like, man, kids had cool stuff before I was born. And then you see stuff like that, and you're like, you know what? I did all right. You know. <laughs> I don't mind being a child of the eighties. No, it's like you know what, Castle Grayskull, yeah, Terradrome, yeah, I did, I did well, I did well. Any good? I'm fine. Any good? <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> Uh, facts, facts. Yes. So, as our trio return home, uh, they are ambushed by agents of Cetopia who are trying to steal Jet Jaguar, a humanoid robot under construction by Goro. However, the agent's first attempt is botched and they are forced to flee to safety. So, um, we are about 15 minutes in here and, uh, we get, uh, we, we get one of my favorite movie plot devices we get wpsr plot point specific radio <laughs> as uh we are informed about the nu- the nuclear tests that are tearing the world apart and uh and then um hiroshi uh, it you know informs us all about the kingdom of mu and the kingdom of lemuria and a mu apparently if you haven't seen the movie atragon then then you're you're behind the times with that but uh you know i I, I guess that, you know, that might be my thought in some parallel universe about nuclear tests is like, well, they're going to sink a continent just like they did back in ancient times. Although I think it's funny, the two continents he refers to are neither of which are the one that are the bad guy in this movie. Right. OK, so uh, it wasn't just me who was like, wait a minute, that's a really cool reference. But then you don't actually wrap that puppy around. You don't you don't you don't bring it back to your starting point. I'm like, OK, that's a cool exposition that you're trying to throw out there. And then you don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and then we get our first car chase. 
Yes. Um, I, I honestly was wondering if that was the reason why they cast that actor for that role was if it was because he was just that good at stunts and driving cars. Because this is one of two car chases in this movie. <laughs> I think they knew their target audience, right? It's like, there's not a monster. Well, then maybe we'll throw a car chase at him. That, they yeah. might be interested in that. Yeah. And they did, too. And they were actually OK yeah. car chases. <laughs> The second one a bit more ambitious in this first one, but it, yes. But I mean, my note is we have two car chases in 28 minutes. Yes, yes, we do. We you know, absolutely that, do. That's like Fast and Furious level editing right there, you know. Right, and this was the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> and they went down a set of stairs in the first or the second one. So yes. I'm kind of like there was explosions in the well, actually there was explosions in both of them, weren't there? Yeah. <laughs> well, Terushi Nakano, he does love his explosions. We, we've, you know, that that is a known thing in the in in the Godzilla series. That Nakano, if he could blow some stuff up, he was on board with that. You know, um, they 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 end up back at the lab, and the they you know they they get ambushed by the Cetopian agents. They chase them off. Then we, you know, they're they're working on Jet Jaguar. So we get, you know, it's a situation where couldn't this be done better if it was done in a montage? <laughs> and then we got a science montage. Science montage is my exact <laughs> note. <laughs> what? What is that? I don't know. It's a stone that I got off of one of those guys. Oh wow! Really? It matches the sand we found. What sand? I don't know. Let's study it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like men tinkering with things and adjusting things and putting things together. Uh, wasn't there like a like a, a torch at one point like they broke it then there was like a torch he had on like a welder's mask and then <laughs> <laughs> i was like wow science was, montage yeah i was really expecting him to like take the mask off and he's like just toasting bread for like a tuna salad sandwich or something <laughs> there are easier ways to make a grilled cheese dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but uh so you know so they're, they're working on our on our boy and and so and later, the trio inventors knocked unconscious by the returning Cetopian agents. Yep. The agents' plan is to use Jet Jaguar to guide and direct Megalon to destroy whatever city Cetopia commands. Goro and Roku are sent to be killed, while Hiroshi is taken hostage. Um, this is look. There are some uh, there are some flimsy plot devices. <laughs> In movies, in general, not just monster movies, but movies in general, where it's like, you know, I always say my, you know, my two favorite words in the English language are plot contrivance. So they, they, they need this robot that has not been built yet mm -hmm. to guide Megalon. Mm -hmm. Because why? Yeah. And, and they attempted, you know, one of the agents being, in my opinion, Professor Snape. Um, yes. <laughs> Honest to God, I, in my notes, I have, why keep Cool Bro prisoner? Why doesn't Professor Snape tell him anything? Like, why? Yeah. That's literally in my notes here. And and he, pretty much you had this entire exposition. They're like, you know, hey, we're lim limited civilization, though we're secret and far more advanced than you are. Our supplies are limited, so we had to therefore use yours. And I'm like, yeah, but how did you know these guys were here? Like, how did, how did you know that this guy was working on a robot that you can use to essentially through radio signals or however control your giant war god i and <laughs> it's like please explain that to me professor snape i don't understand <laughs> and it's like well the answer is simple it's just look over there you know but yeah. uh, and 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 of all the people to keep why keep why keep the guy who is is 
why not keep the professor? Why, I, I mean, I could see getting rid of, you know, the race car driver who clearly was a threat to you in your first car chase and the little kid. But why, 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 why get rid of the professor, the guy who you would, you know, want to hang around in case you needed to fix something with the robot? Uh, <laughs> or heaven forbid, you know, he interferes and has like an override, like, like, you know, a control that he could use since he's the inventor of the robot. <laughs> You're asking a lot, man. You're asking questions. Yeah, that was my mistake. Was I was asking questions, I was watching. I was like, "No, just enjoy the movie. You've not watched it in years. Just watch the movie." And I'm like, I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> so that that is, like I said, that that is a thing. Now here also we get to see, we we start seeing some of Seatopia, which is which as they are getting ready for, uh, uh, for for Meg, they're they're performing, you know, the the native dance to get see the to get megalon to to wake up as you do for monster gods you have to dance for him that's um, you know I, that is one consistent thing of all monster movies especially from this era is i love the fact that every every monster god has to have some type of tribal dance to to wake it like like yeah. i mean i've heard of some crazy alarm systems before but the fact that you have to have women in in crazy outfits doing some kind of native dance i mean if if that was an option to wake me up, I guess I wouldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I will say this: it does also bring back an old favorite here on Earth Destruction Directive. Was once again the return of Bikini Girls to uh, the show. <laughs> uh, always, always welcome. I mean, they were wearing bikinis underneath they their sheer. Absolutely, were wearing shawls bikinis. or coats absolutely or bikini girls. Yes. I mean, I and and this is another thing, and th- this is one I, I admit to myself. This is on me for not going and watching the the original Japanese, but they they talk about Easter Island. Yes, they and do. they have a they have the 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 um, what are they called the uh, I, I'm the the Maori or something like that is the name of the the type of statue that is found on Easter Island. They have one of them in Seatopia. Yep. And and later Antonio will say contact our people on Easter Island as well. Nothing comes of that. Nope. Nope. No, nothing. So I'm, I'm sitting here in my, again, like you said, it could have been like, hey, we had this pitch. We're trying to flesh it out. But we don't want to flesh out too much because we got to hurry up and get this thing going. Because at the end of the day, everyone wants to see a giant monster fight. But it's like, you know, you could have tried to loop that a little better because you clearly, you had ideas that there's more to Seatopia than this, you know, underground area that where the, the king is. Uh, or I'm assuming he's a king. I don't really know what the leader's I rank is. I think he's is. technically an emperor. Oh, emperor. And so, it, you know, you look at it and go, "There's they, they clearly had some ideas that they just didn't flesh out. And it makes you wonder what would have happened had they fleshed it out. You know? Yeah. I mean, the, the no prize I've always assumed is that they must have established a base on Easter Island or kept an outpost on Easter Island. That's where... Uh, you know, Professor Snape and his henchmen kind of came from. Right? Yeah. That's yeah, the I mean, only thing that makes sense. Clearly Otherwise, they understand how to interact on the surface. So you would right. think that that's where it was. Um, but that's but, all supposition, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Goro and Roku are sent to be killed. They're put in the back of a truck. They're literally put on a truck and driven out. Yeah. Uh, which Roshi is, is taken hostage. I, I find it extremely hilarious that... Because at first when I was watching, I didn't pay, I, I guess I just sort of like glazed over it. I'm like, oh, they they threw him in the back of a truck, tied up. They're going to get rid of him. No big deal. Then I realized that one of the henchmen 
literally hijacked these two truck drivers. Yeah. <laughs> and these two truck drivers are randomly driving these people to their death at yeah. gunpoint. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. <laughs> what, How what, did this I, I, I've got some notes on that. Let me tell oh, you. I've got, you? Some, I've got some notes on that. But so uh, Megalon is finally released to the surface while Jet Jaguar is put under the control of the Seatopians used to guide Megalon to attack Tokyo with the Japanese self-defense force failing to defeat the monster. Okay, so back in Seatopia, we get, first off, we find out the Seatopians are anti-nuke, which I liked. As a, as a Japanese film, there's got to be some character that's anti-nuke. So I thought that was, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because we we sort of are supposed to feel bad for them because the reason why they're attacking the surface is because of the reckless way that the surface world has been using nuclear weapons. Right. But at the same time, they're also unleashing, you know, a giant rhinoceros beetle. So it's like, you know, they didn't even try to negotiate. I mean, if you've got a giant beetle war god, why not take use of it? I got to agree. It's like one thing you do, you paid for the option. You know, right? why did I not? Why did I pay for it if I'm not going to use it? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the, the other thing we get to see is on Antonio, he's got the, the Megalon headdress. And for years, I never saw this until someone online pointed it out. Now you can't not see it, that his tiara has a little Megalon head on it. I got to go rewatch this again. <laughs> it's crazy. I know. But as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, my God, it's right there. You know, like I, I, could, I can kind of see it in my head, but I didn't look close enough. Like I knew there was like a little something there, but I didn't realize it was a Megalon head. Yes. That means yeah, that somewhere... Of- Somewhere, somewhere in some storage closet at Toho, there's probably that that tiara. We need we need we we need a guy. We need to know a guy who knows a guy in Japan to go find this closet because, yeah, that's a prop that should be put in a museum somewhere. It belongs in a museum. It's like a really bad version of Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> and no, I don't just mean the. No, never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. Uh, so, so Megalon shows up. 20 minutes into the movie i have always been a really big fan of his first appearance when he is drilling to the surface and it's the shot of the flying model and the megalon flying model has its hands together yes so it's like he's drilling and it's very slowly rotating and it's actually that's actually really a pretty cool effect especially as a little kid i loved that that you got to see a really good shot of megalon from all angles like right up front the first time you see him yeah, I think it was a really good, uh, really good introduction of of the kaiju um, because when you really look at the suit, like you don't really notice it, but the drill hands, the drill arms that he has, have two flat sides. So the intent is for them to come together and spin together as a drill. Um, so I think that this is a very good introduction of of the monster. And uh, yeah, you're right. It was it was really good and it was very eye catching. And so you're like, oh, this is this is something new. This is something cool. Um, that we hadn't seen before, so I, I, I dug it. Yeah. So you mentioned the truck drivers, and <laughs> first off, these two guys, their their cab, it, it, it's it's shot in a certain way and edited a certain way because on the back of their cab is pinup girls, some of which are not <laughs> fully clothed. <laughs> Cinema shares was like, nope, can't have that. Nope. So that that is some of the goofy editing involving the truck drivers is due to that that's funny um the other thing is i did a little calculation a little back of the envelope type of calculation here highly technical highly technical and he says that they're being paid a hundred thousand yen <laughs> okay 
100,000 yen roughly trans today roughly translates to about $930. Okay. According to XE.com. Oh, excuse me. It's $910. Okay. So $910 in $2010. Okay. So I then went and found the, uh, and found an inflation calculator and ran 900, you know, but $910, what the equivalent would be $5,500, almost $5,600. Wow. Is what they're effectively being paid. So they're getting paid about six grand. No questions asked. Just drive this thing where it goes. Ah, you know, like six grand, that's three grand a piece for just driving something. What are the chances that there's a guy and his little brother in the back? I mean, it's, I can, I can kind of see why they would do it if they did not know. Now, granted, when the gun came out, I'm pretty sure that's when they were like, uh, what are we doing? Um, (laughs) yeah. But up until that point, I can kind of see. It's like, dude, this is a cool, this is a cool three grand to hit. I, man, that's pretty slick. Can't really argue with that. So I mean, you was, could, you could yeah. argue with that, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, you know, it's it's like when you go to the drive-through and they give you free food. It's like, just take it. Don't ask no questions. Just take it. You know, it's like, what? Well, wait a minute, what? That, are, why are, are you, you <laughs> are you are you thinking back on a fishing trip we had when we were getting free frosties and Wendy's and one buddy walks in and goes, why? <laughs> It's like, dude, it's free. Who cares? Just get the freaking Frosty. (laughs) Appreciate that little reference. Free Frosties. Why? It's like, who cares? It's free. It's a free Frosty. (laughs) Oh, man. Now now I want to go to Wendy's, but... uh... I go to Wendy's too much. That's that part of my overall I need to lose weight thing is stop going to Wendy's. <laughs> stop going to Wendy's. That's that's the first step. That's the, the first, first step. thing. You know, they say you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet, you know. No, you cannot. You cannot. And I, because I have failed in the last month. So it's like, yep, yep, nope, nope. You, you got it. You, you can't do it. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we get the uh, the initial. Uh, well, first off, actually, we get the. Uh, before we get the the SDF sequence, we get Hiroshi, uh, Hiroshi escaping, and we get car chase number two. Yes. And this this car chase again, all things considered, this is pretty impressive considering the the time and budget that they had yep. here. Because like you said, there's off roading, they drive down a flight of steps, there's jumps, there's uh, there's like a like a cement poor at one point yeah there was on, on, on a random motorcycle rider that came out of nowhere i'm kind of like what who like how many henchmen does snape have because he only had the one dude and the one dude's you know in the truck yes so but, uh, yeah not... it, it was a really good yeah again for the time it was actually a pretty good car scene and like you said we're only what 20 some minutes into the movie yeah. and we've gotten two car chases yes you you just in your mind at least I always did when the guy goes to stand up and the cement pours on his head it's like oh nuts you know <laughs> I'm reminded of when Godzilla's Megalon was of course featured in Mystery Science Theater 3000 the line that Joe was like well better luck next time Goopy you know <laughs> God so so Megalon is being uh, you know we get the initial scenes of the jsdf um this is almost this is all stock footage this is is, this and this is stock footage from last year a lot of this because this there is several shots of here that is recycled from godzilla versus gigan uh also um some of those scenes with the uh uh 
defense force uh, organizing and mobilizing can also be seen in War of the Gargantuas. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I think like, it's because of the use of the Mazer tanks. The, yes. Um, the bit with, I'm not sure if it's in this scene or later on, where, actually, it, it, it happens later on. It happens after the, the dam scene when we see the Mazer tanks attacking uh, Megalon and he runs behind the trees. Yeah. That was used the year before in Godzilla vs. Gigan and was recycled completely from War of the Gargantuas. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're 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 funny enough. They're all linked because of <laughs> all three of those movies share that stock footage in common. Yeah, but you know the thing is, is that I mean, you know, it, again, it's it it was a sign of the times. There, there's a lot of stock footage in in these move this one and the previous one because of the the budgets and. You know they they do the best with it as they can. Yeah, and you know, if you cut we it, we have. Yeah, yeah, I mean, keep going. Um, I was going to say we have the ability to go back and look at them and watch them on either video or on DVD or Blu-ray and say, oh well, that was from this, that was from this. If you were a kid, you might not have. First of all, you might not have even seen the previous film, and if you did, you probably only saw it the one time. You probably don't remember exactly, you know, those those scenes. So it's not, you know, considering the audience. I can understand why Toho was doing that, given the the uh, the constraints that they were under. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it makes sense. And, and as a studio, you want to take that opportunity when you can. And if you cut it right, it'll work. Um, coincidentally, the evacuation scenes when Megalon shows up and starts marching its way uh, to, to Tokyo, uh, as they're evacuating all the civilians, also the same evacuation scene in um uh i think it was geigen i think it was godzilla versus geigen same evacuation scene was yes which i think is recycled actually from Ghidorah, if i remember correctly i believe it's recycled from either Ghidorah or, or monster zero i think i'm not 100 percent sure on that but yeah it's, it's a lot of it i mean it's the same reason why megalon has a beam that he fires from his horn that looks exactly like king Ghidorah's beam you know, I, I, I was wondering that, but I didn't really put two and two together. I was thinking that that might have been the case, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, no, that's that. That's why he doesn't he only uses it like in one shot in the actual fight. He mostly just uses it fighting against, you know, things that King Ghidorah had previously destroyed. Gotcha. That <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. We've had their okay, second car, so car chase. Second car chase. The the. Uh, so this this is a this is a bit the the synopsis falls down the job here. So I'll read it, but then we'll 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 expand out. Eventually, the trio of heroes manage to escape their situation with the Cetopians and reunite to devise a plan to send Jet Jaguar to get Godzilla's help using Jet Jaguar's secondary control system. After reuniting, or excuse me, after uniting with the JSDF, Goro manages to regain control of Jet Jaguar and sends the robot monster to bring Godzilla to fight Megalon. Without a guide to control its actions. Megalon flails around relentlessly and aimlessly, fighting with the self-defense force and destroying the outskirts of Tokyo. So, this glosses over the best scene in the movie, which is Megalon destroying the dam with the truck parked at the dam where they're going to drop the container off and kill uh, Goro and Roku. And the two truck drivers get the hell out of there. And this is this is the scene that basically all of the money for the new effects really went into this one scene of Megalon destroying the dam, crashing through it, the the rubble, the flooding, the container box flying, all of that, which is this is a I mean, that's the it's thing. A, you know? It's a really good scene. Like, I mean, yeah. the, the, the model work that was done to get the truck to match um, all the rubble as it was breaking through. 
Um, some of the shots were kind of quick and cut. I could have sworn one it made me laugh because it looked like Megalon was like riding down like a water slide. Like when the dam broke and he crashed through the rubble in the water, I just for some yeah. reason in my head had this vision of Megalon sliding down a water slide. <laughs> Like, wee! Basically, because I'm like, why did you break down the dam other than just to be like, wee? <laughs> One of the things like, oh man, I'm never gonna get another chance to do this, right? And then, and then he freaking field goal punts the truck, or no, he volleyball spikes the, yes. the truck. <laughs> and and like, if you're like me, you're thinking, oh good, they're dead because they just got hit with that thing by the monster. It's like, oh damn it, they're alive. You know? Yeah, I mean, that, that thing crashes, and coincidentally, because, you know, uh, uh, the buddy – and again, this is the thing that I couldn't understand. He successfully escapes Professor Snape, goes on his awesome second car chase. How does he know where to go? Mm. Like, he I doesn't. Just, he finds them by accident. He finds them by accident. He looks at the – he doesn't know that they were put in this truck in particular. He just goes to the truck, and the dri- the, the drivers get out, and they're like, the monster's here. We got to get away. Drive us away. He's like, no, I got to get my fr-. I'm like, how – how, how do you know that your friends are in that truck? <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot of TV style coincidences in this script, you know, things that kind of have to happen because they need to happen because otherwise we don't have a story. <laughs> right, right. So it, I mean, again, it helps progress to what we need, which is you know he he goes he picks up Goro and um, his little brother. They themselves then go, hey, I can I can you know, use my secondary control to, to stop Jet Jaguar. And then he goes, oh, he's not, he's too far away. He's out of line of sight. Let's, let's go get the self-defense force and get him to help us. And I'm like, okay, we're, we're moving the story along here. Um, and then yeah. it's like, and then like you mentioned, they get the brilliant idea of let's get Godzilla to help. I'm like, wait, I know <laughs> that this was the time period where Godzilla becomes sort of the anti-hero to help defend Japan, but I still don't understand how that transition happened. And it yeah. just seems like such a giant leap of logic of let's use our robot to go get Godzilla to help fight this monster. Well, I mean, when you say it like that, it just sounds ridiculous. You know? <laughs> it's like, I'm, this may sound over the top, but maybe we can ask the fairies for help. You know, <laughs> it's completely unscientific, but yeah. You know, it's like, maybe that, maybe that's what they're, we would, we'd be doing what, that's what they expect us to do. Right. So right. we get the uh, we get this the the sequence here, like I said, with the recycled shot from uh, more of the Gargantuas and Godzilla's Gigan. So Mazer tanks, <clears throat> check off that box on your scorecard if you uh, are a fan of Mazer tanks, and really, who isn't? I mean, yeah, I mean, who isn't? How can you watch this genre and not like Mazer tanks? <laughs> yes. Um, we also get Megalon hopping around because he doesn't have. And this is funny because this goes away when Jet Jaguar comes back and he's, you know, still under when Jet Jaguar's on his own. Mm-hmm. Megalon just learns how to walk again, apparently. He's just hopping around like a like a like a jackrabbit or I guess a grasshopper. Yeah. But again, it's like, OK, he he's wild and uncontrollable, but like I don't see why he suddenly stops when it's time for the big fight. See, I always thought the weird hopping was because the suit was so heavy they could, just couldn't do like the line work to lift the suit. And so it had that weird looking hop, but I didn't realize that the concept was that, no, the legs are supposed to be like a grasshopper. Yeah, I could see that. I, I'm, I'm just, it, it's always odd. It's like he, I understand. Okay. Without Jet Jaguar there, he's kind of wild, mm-hmm. but how they're able to, but he's able to like, I guess, cause he wants to fight, you know, he's, he's able to like, Oh cool. We can fight now, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, if somebody didn't think about it, I'm not going to spend too much time thinking about it. You know, also, so yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jet Jaguar flies to Monster Island. I love that they call it, in fact, Monster Island. Even um, though I've heard it might be a peninsula, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Monster Peninsula doesn't work. You need an island so they can't get off. Right, right. You can't right. have them just a little, oh, well, you know, they, 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 they're they surrounded on water on three sides, sir. It's like, <laughs> well, where are we? We're on the other side that's not surrounded by water, sir. It's like, uh-huh. Uh, Corporal, you and I need to have a discussion. <laughs> yeah, and well, I, the deep cut reference that I was making was, I don't know if you remember that episode of The Simpsons. Yes. Okay, you do remember. Okay. Yes, yeah. so they, they sentenced Lisa to uh, uh, exile on Monster Island. You go, don't worry, it's just a name. Yep. Yep. It's like, I thought they said it was just a name. It's like, it's actually a peninsula. What they mean, it's actually a peninsula. I always thought that joke would have worked too if they had said it's actually an an archipelago. That would actually be funnier. I don't know why. (laughs) There's just something more hilarious about the word archipelago. (laughs) I don't know why. I think it's because of the syllables. (laughs) It's, it's such a, it's such a, like a, a, you know, fancy word for just, it's a group of islands, you know? Right. (laughs) It's like a mater d at a buffet type of situation, you know? Maybe it came off as too pretentious in the uh, translation, and that's why they didn't want to do archipelagos. Like, no, 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 we want just one island for all the monsters. We don't want yeah. a series of But, I mean, if you think about it, a series of islands would make more sense because then each giant monster would kind of, like, have its own territory, and then it would yeah. – it actually kind of makes a little bit of sense if it was an archipelago. <laughs> well, now you know – about ecosystems a little too much for kaiju. <laughs> You gotta watch Destroy All Monsters. They go into whole detail of like how they keep them on the island and keep them that, fed and all that's that. That's right, they do. You know, and 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 that that's I've I said that on the Destroy All Monsters episode. It's like you know, as as I've gotten older, I've grown to really love the end of that movie where mm-hmm. all the monsters are living in peace on an island and humans aren't attacking them. And it's like, yeah. well, look at that. They got a happy ending. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe I'm just a romantic in my old age. You're. It's like I just want all giant monsters to live in, with coexistence on their own island. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> that's all I want in life. You know, it's it's at at some point. You know, we'll 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 be there. You know, keep keep reaching for that dream. But exactly. Uh, but so, so Jet Jaguar flies to Monster Island. He talks to Godzilla apparently with with like Monster Universal Sign Language. So okay, I have to ask a th- quick thing. Um, so Jet Jaguar shows up, but right before he shows up, it sh- cuts to a scene of Godzilla, and is it just me? But is it, it it almost looks like Godzilla is clutching an imaginary set of pearls, wondering what happened to Anguirus and Rodan. And then when Jet Jaguar shows up, it's like he answered the phone and is finally getting the news as to what the hell's going on. Yeah. Like, like the pantomime, I, I, I know I'm, I'm going very specific here in my pantomime description, but it just really seemed kind of odd. And it could just be the way the eyes are on the suit. But it's like, oh, no, we just had a horrible earthquake that rocked our monster island. Whatever will we – I mean, honestly, the hands were together. Yeah. It looked like imaginary pearls were being clutched. And I'm like, you're freaking Godzilla. What are you doing? And then Jet Jaguar shows up, and they start having a conversation in some weird robot sign language. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, let's go throw down. Sounds good. I, I This I understand. And I'm like, that's big G for you. Yeah. <laughs> Got to do it, man. Got to do it. And that was the other thing I thought was really funny. It's like, you know, this is hands down the greatest invention ever on the planet. Because Jet Jaguar can automatically adjust his programming to do what is necessary. Yes. Which includes talking to Godzilla. Yeah. Um, it's There is, again, 
that this I guess was you know it's it's just science. That's all there is to it. You know, I mean for science, man. I mean for science. I mean they had a montage and everything. They did. They did. (laughs) So Godzilla is now spends his his long time swimming to the uh, swimming to Japan. Um, which he did in the last movie too. He also took a while swimming to Japan. He, he didn't did. talk in this one though. No, no. Uh, then we go back to Megalon in Tokyo. A lot of stock footage of King Ghidorah here, um, using his uh, King Ghidorah's gravity beams, which is Megalon's horn beam. Um, we also see the first appearance of Megalon's napalm bombs, which he spits out of his mouth, which are really cool. I I dig that. That is a unique thing. The uh, like the napalm grenade sort of weapon. I don't think nobody else had really done anything like that previously, and we get some good stuff with it in the actual fight. So it's it's a yes. welcome addition. Yeah, no, I I actually really like that. It does make it unique to his to his to that particular monster. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's mostly stock footage here, other than than Gigan himself. The one interesting bit is we do get uh, a scene of Megalon being attacked by a fleet of jets. This is uh, taken from the previous film. And if you're watching moderately carefully in the close-up shots, you can see it's actually Gigan who is hitting the planes out of the air because they are Gigan's hook hands, his uh, hammer <laughs> fists. I think they're called in Japan, not Megalon's drill bits. So it's like, you could, it's like, why didn't you save this scene and do it later after Gigan shows up? Yeah. No, couldn't pull it off. <laughs> yeah. But again, I never noticed as a kid, so. I mean, I didn't notice it as an adult when I watched it the first time. So, you know, I really can't can't say anything. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah. So, Cetopians learn of Jet Jaguar's turn and thus send out a distress call to their allies, the Space Hunter Nebula M aliens from the previous film, to send the alien monster Gigan to assist their allies. Um, Let's talk about this for a second. Uh, Antonio simply says... Contact Star Hunter Universe M. Tell them we need Gigan. We, okay. We've had no, no reason to suspect that they've had contact with, they won't get in touch with the surface world, but they're in contact with other planets in another nebula, in like another universe. I don't get it. Like, no, that one, that one was a hurt. That one hurt me. Like that one, (laughs) that one, I honestly, I heard it. I stopped what I, I, I rewound it played it over again i'm like no he said that he really did say that how how i get they're supposed to be an advanced civilization even though they had to you know steal a robot from somebody else to to enact their plan but you know how is it they can talk to space cockroaches from another freaking universe yeah (laughs) and when did they have this treaty in place to be like hey yo um, when we summon our giant war god, can you send yours in case we need backup? And and where, why were they not involved in last year's plan? Right. You know? Right. Because I mean, I guess Because, yeah. Well, I was going to say, ahead. that kind of leads back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, the script and the original premise of having Megalon with Gigan um, kind of as lieutenants to Ghidorah. It kind of, you know, it leads some credence to that, that, you know, hey, again, if we're pitching this story but it hasn't been fully fleshed out there'd be little discrepancies like this <laughs> as to the, why does Cetopia yeah. know them <laughs> the the only way i can no prize this is that somehow when the uh nebula aliens 
were on Earth in the last movie because they were there for a while in that movie where they're in they're, they're using the bodies that are recently dead and all that. That somehow the Cetopian agents got in touch with them and said, "Look, here's the deal: we are willing to let you guys live on the surface." And we will continue to live in peace underwater, under, you know, in our subterranean kingdom, you know, and we can share the earth. We don't care if you ravage the surface of the earth and make it unlivable because we don't like the the surface dwellers either. We'll stay down here if you guys stay up there. That's about the only way I can no prize that is that yeah. at some point they must have gotten in touch and said, hey, here's the deal. But, you know, maybe because in, in Guy getting the, the timetable, the invasion gets thrown off so they couldn't get Megalon involved with it or something. I don't know. But again, it, this is this is all very, you know, fanish. Try and make the, the pieces fit after the fact. Yes. And it's very, you know, you look at it and go that that seems like a very good deus ex machina. You guys just yanked in here to have more awesome action in the fighting scenes with the monsters. And it's like, yeah. I'm not going to say no, I don't want guy in here, but I just don't get why. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's a hell of a leap of logic. You guys just made be like, Hey, call up the, call up the guys we know. I'm like, but, but, but they're in another planet on another universe or different nebula, sir. But they're our friends. Call yeah. them. We need guy yeah. Yes, sir. You got it. Yeah. It's like, Chairman, what is up? It's Antonio, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, yeah. that was that was bizarre. That was bizarre. I'm, I had that little note, too. I'm glad you just we decided to stop for a second. Because, yeah, yeah, that's a... For those of you who may be watching this and listening at home, uh, you're going to be going, what the... What the hell, man? What, 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 what's going on in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Again fun movie <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's it's the strange bedfellows situation right you know one 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 that you and i have talked about many times one of our favorite bits of uh you know like little character bits from like the uh the late 90s 2000s of dc comics was that adam smasher and black adam were friends yeah you yeah. know so megalon and gigan are friends you know, that's all. all. <laughs> I have a slightly... Sometimes people from different walks of life end up hanging out and, you know, they, they hit it off. Right. I actually have a slightly different analogy, but I'm going to save that until we get to the actual fight scenes with all the big, big monsters. Okay. So, but I, ha- I have an analogy that I think you will greatly appreciate. Okay. I'll put a pin in that now. There we go. So, uh, as Godzilla journeys to fight Megalon, Jet Jaguar starts acting on its own and ignoring commands to the surprise of its inventors and grows to gigantic proportions to face Megalon himself. The battle is roughly at a standstill between Robot and Giant Bug until Gigan arrives, and both Megalon and Gigan double-team against Jet Jaguar. Okay. this You were talking about Jet Jaguar being the greatest invention of all time. <laughs> um, okay, so Goro says at one point, he's programmed himself for survival. That's why, <laughs> that's why he's ignoring their commands. I that's um I don't believe that's how artificial intelligence works. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. So when I saw that, the first thing that popped in my head is then why isn't he running away? Like if if you were to take artificial intelligence logics and just look at this for a second, go, okay, I am here to survive and make sure that I maintain my state. Then in order to do so, that means I shouldn't go fight the giant monster. So instead, what I'm going to do 
as I'm going to defy the laws of physics and gain mass and grow to giant size to fight the monster. Okay. <laughs> that That's how I will survive. Yeah. Remember we, we asked about that, you know, that it raises more questions than it answers? Again, yeah. you know. I, I've used I, I've said this many times. If you can have a movie where you have a robot who programs himself to grow giant and it's not the craziest thing in your movie, then then you're probably watching a, a, a good Daikaiju movie right there. Now I mean hand, hands down. Hands down. <laughs> yeah. If that is not the craziest thing in your movie, you're 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 doing all right. You're yeah. doing all right. <laughs> So on, uh, on the human portion of the story, the synopsis, they uh, they get back. So they we we follow Hiroshi and Roku. They go. They break into. Well, they they don't break into. They kind of break into a model shop, right? And yeah. they're because they're getting a model plane because they're famously going to smash it into the face of one of the Seatopian goons when they take back the lab. This one stood out to me just because it's like, man, I would love to go to that model shop. Yes. Oh my gosh, that is the coolest thing! Like, because it was like a, it was almost like a street stall. Like they just rode up on the motorcycle, and they just walk in, and it's like all of these models. I'm going, dude, we don't have that here. Or at least I've not had an opportunity to go to a shop like that. At least not in a very long time. This yeah. is cool. They're just planes of all sizes, different model kits of various military models and stuff like that. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the jet they picked up looks an awful lot like the jets used in the said stock footage. Um. <laughs> yes, I believe they are. I believe I oh I don't have it, but yes, I believe it is. It, it, which was the jet in use by the uh, um, by the JSDF at that time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just it, it put a smile on my face as as a nerd and war gamer and all fan of many things model and being an Air Force brat. I was like, man, this is a cool shop. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, in 1973, that was probably just a model shop probably down the road from Toho. Right. You know. <laughs> OK. The, and by the way, just just to close the loop on that, I know you're you're an Air Force brat, you know, a, a fighter jet type guy. That's the F-86 Saber Saber jet. Ah, oh, see, I was actually going to go look that up after this, but thanks. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> I will say this. Wikizilla is great because they list all the different weapons and vehicles and stuff that That's appear in fantastic. things because Daikaiju, you know. you. I mean, you got to be thorough with your fandom. <sighs> I love, like, for instance, we know that there was both the Type 66 Mazer Cannon and the Type 70 Mazer Cannon, <laughs> which are two <laughs> totally different things. Please. <laughs> like bro do you even godzilla you know <laughs> as an aside i was refereeing a uh, a soccer match today and uh one of the players actually yelled out to another player bro i'm open nice. and uh and i and i i instinctually you know uh blurted out what i always say whenever i hear two young boys call each other bro i was like i'm not your bro dude you know? <laughs> And uh, what response did you get? <laughs> uh, they, they were, to be to be fair, I don't. Uh, they, they just kept on playing. They, they don't really, you know, they barely well, listened good. to the whistle, let alone instruction from the referee. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. At least they're focused, sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he really cares about what I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, so so Jet Jaguar. Fifty-four minutes into this movie, Jet Jaguar has grown giant and now is fighting Megalon. 
this is a this is an interesting fight because Jag the Jaguar fights kind of like Ultraman, right? Kind of fights bit. like a like a like a Hyodai hero with with martial arts and stuff. We get to see a couple of really fun bits from Megalon. He uses the drill bits where he's drilling up from underground, yes. which is nice. And Jet Jaguar grabs him and pulls him up, which I always thought was cool. Um, <sighs> then he is Jet Jaguar is spinning around. Because Megalon is flying around him so fast that he's spinning around. He's clearly standing on a turntable. Yes. Or at I, least at the at the beginning of that sequence, he's clearly standing on a turntable. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of it. And the thing is, I myself was getting dizzy watching this <laughs> scene. And I'm sitting here going, you're a robot. Do you have equilibrium? Like, like is that yeah. a thing? <laughs> I, I That is my note. How does a robot get dizzy? <laughs> He's not used to all that mass he just grew into. So he's, you know, you yeah. know, some growing pains. He's not quite got a good feel for the body. You know, it, it, it happens, yeah. man. You know, it's like, you know. He had a, he had a, a big, big drop off in uh, uh, fuel pressure. It's like, whoa, man, I am feeling it in my head right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Very clearly on a turntable, just spinning. And then when they get and and the sequence goes on for a little bit. Like it's it's not short for him yeah. spinning, and I'm like, oh, you guys really spent this much time recording this footage? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, they they had they had it set up. They might as well get some footage out of it. This is true, and I guess I'm sure they could have right. just recorded a lot of it and cut it to however much they needed. Um, yeah. And then and then they had you know the actor you know fall and act, and so I'm like, oh look, he's off the turntable now. <laughs> I, I will say this. That is a really good bit of physical acting of him getting dizzy and falling over, even if it doesn't make sense. This is true. I mean, it it it, it I mean, it works. You, it clearly is like, oh, man, he, Jet Jaguar is dizzy and he fell over. And then you stop. And you're like, Jet Jaguar is a robot. <laughs> it's How one of those get... fridge moments, right? right? When, you're, when you're after the movie, when you're getting a snack of fridge, like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like, hang on a second. <laughs> But this this whole part though, like I said, is like fifty four minutes into the movie, and we finally get to see some some serious you know giant monster action going on. It's actually a pretty fun little scene uh, between the two of them, and and, th- and so I'm going to start to toss in my analogy, and it makes more sense as the other players unfold. But uh, you know, you and I are, are are fans of of wrestling, and I can't help but not think that this is the baby face versus the heel in Jet Jaguar versus Megalon, oh, and yes. it's the new heel versus the new baby face in this fight. Absolutely. <laughs> and then Geigen comes in, who's obviously another heel, who's partnered with just randomly just heel and heel. It's like, oh yeah, you guys should be a team. And so they're gonna go wail on the baby face. <laughs> right. Well, in the seventies and eighties, heels all got along with each other generally. So, yeah, and it works. Yeah. I mean, it really worked. Like all the analogies works. Um, and then you know later when Godzilla shows, and we'll, we'll get into that. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you know when Godzilla shows up, it's like the 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 the, the wily veteran who's been around for a hot minute kind of come in to take the babyface under his wing. Not necessarily a good guy, not necessarily a bad guy. He you know he could have been a heel sometimes turned babyface, but uh, he's there with the experience to kind of. Kind of help the baby face along in this very clearly unfair two on one fight. <laughs> yeah. When he's also there to give the new baby face that's up on the rise, give him a rub. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. now he's like, whoa, he's teaming with the champ right now. You know, it's like that puts a rub on Jet Jaguar that he gets to team with with Big G right out of the gate. 
Exactly. He must I mean, think a lot of him, you know. Exactly. You got a champ who goes over with no matter what crowd you're looking at. And, you know, it's like, hey, look at Jet Jaguar hanging out with the champ. Yeah. I and mean, it's and, 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 and to, to keep it going, you got the guy that he main evented with last year. Is, yeah. That is coming in as the heel. And then the new monster heel that nobody can stop. It's like, this is this this is a SummerSlam right here, you know. Which Pretty is much. We're, we're recording this in August, you know, so. Dude. Dude, the new pay-per-view in Tokyo right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like live at the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> and the thing is what really sells this moment though um has to be Godzilla doing not one but two running drop kicks. <laughs> oh. You know, there's a there's a there's an account on Twitter called One Perfect Shot that shows simply shows perfect shots from movies. If yeah. I ran it, it would just be this every day. It would just be Godzilla <laughs> flying through the air, the flying drop kick every single day. It's like you you can I'm like you can come close with your cinematography and your direction, or you can just do this because, you know, uh, I'm 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 sorry. There there is simply no way that you can top this. I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, Nakano. And uh, and uh, Fukuda, they they got together on this one, and it's perfect. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely, it's it's fantastic. And the really the really great part is if you actually look at the timestamps, as far as the monster fight goes, it almost is like it is almost what you would expect from a main event. It's like uh, 20 minutes or time uh, or TV time remaining is the length <laughs> of the match, and, <laughs> and it's it's pretty close to that. Yeah. I mean, even even getting into some of the weird details here. I mean, Godzilla shows up, and you know what? And you know what? The, the, I'm not going to worry about the rest of the synopsis because the rest of the synopsis is Godzilla shows up. They fight the bad. The bad guys run away, and uh, they shake hands. And Jet Jaguar shrinks down to normal size and returns home. So that's that's the end of our story. So we got 20 minutes of fight to talk about here. Yeah. Yes. So Godzilla we do. shows up, and he immediately hits Megalon with a tree. Yes. Right. Like, so this has like, got to be again the top baby face coming in. You know, th- this is this is like a mid south or a, you know championship wrestling from Florida situation where the young baby face is getting worked over by the two heels. He comes in with the chair to clean house. Yep. Right. And yeah, it's uh, so good too. It's so it's so ap- it's so appropriate because at one point I think he's down and Geigen like emotions to Megalon and they literally just start kicking Jet Jaguar back and forth while he's down. Yes. <laughs> And I'm they like, do. this is like I'm watching this and going, I'm pretty sure I saw this on AEW the other night. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I might have been on yeah, Elevation. Jack, I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, Guy Get and Megalon also speak in monster sign language. Their yep. sign language is a little more basic. It's like, hey, let's beat this guy up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would like to think that the two of them have a shared language of having metal appendages. So I mean, clearly they're <laughs> fluent in each other's own sign language. <laughs> yep. Oh man. We get the uh um, you know, so the the fight is just back and forth. We get the uh, the napalm bomb that Jet Jaguar dives on it and throws it away, like we're suddenly in a World War II movie. Oh, that was cool. So that so again, like you mentioned earlier, the napalm bomb is kind of more, really unique for Megalon. So you have that scene where Godzilla's down, and Jet Jaguar comes in for the save, grabs it, tosses away, and I think it actually throws it back in Megalon's face, and it blows up and knocks Megalon down. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because even later in the fight, Megalon does the trick again, and Godzilla hammers it back in his face, and I think it blows up in Megalon's mouth. Yeah. He's like, oh, dude, what? Uh, 
<laughs> That's a spicy meatball right there. <laughs> So um, then, you know, so it's, they square off a little bit, like you were So I mean, literally, we have 20 minutes about of just pure monster fighting. It's fantastic. Yeah. And so Jet Jaguar and Megalon square off for a little while, Godzilla versus Gigan. So it's like a rematch, like I said, from the previous year's pay-per-view event. And um, yes. they do use some stock footage because the whole scene, same yeah. fight in uh, or scene in Godzilla versus Gigan, where Gigan swoops down out of the air, cuts G's shoulder. I'm like, yeah, OK, I, I recognize yeah. that scene. Well, um, but it's, it's a good it's, scene. It works for yeah. the fight. I mean, that that is one of the best interactions that they have in Godzilla vs. Gigan. So bringing it back made sense. And I've always liked that. And it plays really well here, too, because it's well done. Yes, and it was, it was so rare really to well see done. Godzilla bleed because that was, you know, he, he bled a little bit. Like, he got kind of maimed in Hedra. But having, like, actual blood spurt out of him, that's memorable, you know? Yes, yes. So, the other yeah. one that I like... Besides that, it comes after that where it's a new thing where it's it's like a high-low, where Gigan is coming in with the jet cutter on Godzilla while Megalon drills up out of the ground. Yeah. That is, again, that that's just well put together and directed from that, where it's like everybody, it's like you could see the heroes are kind of looking around because they don't know where they are, and then the a villains attack both at the same time. I thought that was, a, a, that, that was another one that's always stuck with me. Yeah, that was actually really well choreographed in that little fight. And then was it after that at that point that I think I think uh, Megalon and Gigan were were basically sealing off the two of them inside the ring of fire, and, yes, uh, and then Jet Jaguar like motions to Godzilla who wraps his arms around him and he jumps and like rockets out of the fire and behind Gigan and Megalon and the two of them turn around like the hell he can do that i mean literally yes. that's what i thought the thought bubble was is it, he can do that yeah that's the look on their faces even though yeah, they don't have any way to emote but the actor's no. like wait what yeah and, <laughs> and i can't help but think that guy is like you didn't tell me he could do that yeah. <laughs> the the other one uh there, there's another bit and right before that right before they start doing the ring of fire right as megalon is starting to shoot and create all the explosions they've got jet jaguar and they they throw him down, and Godzilla fires at Megalon, and Megalon just starts blasting with the napalm bombs and stuff. And and it's in that scene, then Gigan flies straight up out of the shot, which is pretty neat because he is yeah. he is basically getting out of dodge because we all know Gigan's kind of a coward. Yeah. You know? Yep. So I, I, that that again, I, I just like the interaction there where you've got one you know one actor standing and the other one is rigged and they're right next to each other so that one can fly right out of the shot the is 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 a well done but yeah the ring of fire sequence is that's another one it's very memorable because again uh teriyushi nakano loved doing fire and explosions he does them so well in all of his movies there's so many great explosions in his stuff so this big i mean admittedly they're fighting just in a big empty field so there's no buildings, there's no miniatures, but that's a lot of fire. Yes, you know, it was. and it's very impressive because you got to again think of the scale. It's like okay, those are some big flames that are. It's like there's a wildfire going on around them right now. Yeah, it's. I mean, basically, it looks like California. So you know, it's this massive, just blaze going because you have these two giant monsters stuck inside this ring being caused a fire caused by another two giant monsters. Pretty slick. Um, like I said, the, the, the yeah. effects were fantastic in this fight scene. And, you know, as much as we ragged on the plot and the story up until this point, 
when we get to 54 minutes in the movie and the monsters start to go at it, this is where the, I mean, it is just pure fun at this point. And then yeah. some very iconic scenes, you know, like Gigan cutting Godzilla, like this ring of fire, um, you know, Megalon and Jet Jaguar at the start of it. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of really good memorable shots uh, in this confrontation. So, I mean, yeah. it, like, one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite movies is that, you know, it, you can remember some of the fight scene fairly clearly. Yeah, it's like I said, it's not super ambitious and it's not, you know, it's not again, it's not even it where it's set and all that is not super ambitious. And, you know, but they did that before, you know, Gator, the three headed monster, the final fight takes place on Mount Fuji and it's just, a, you know, a mountain. I mean, yes, there's lots of destruction earlier in the film, but same with Monster Zero. The two fights in Monster Zero, one takes place on Planet X and one takes place on Mount Fuji, you know, so it's not unheard of to do this. Right. And, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, but it, again, the, the limitations show, but there's still quality, you know, not going to put together a, a good series of, of shots to make this fight sequence. And that that is where the, that's the bread and butter here. I mean, it's a movie aimed at kids. So for the young and for viewers like us who are young at heart while watching this, it, it hits it hits the mark. Yep. Some uh, so the fight continues on. Uh, after the heroes escape from the Ring of Fire, that's when they take the advantage. There's a great bit. Jet Jaguar grabs Gigan, breaks his arm, <laughs> and then Gorilla presses him over his head. Yep. Going full Ultimate Warrior here, then throws him up. Godzilla hits him with the atomic breath, and Gigan says, I have had enough of you, and flies away like a coward, like he always does. Oh, yeah, he punks out. Like, I mean, and that's if I, I I made a note that that was at the one hour and 12 minute mark. So he just punks out like gone, just gone. He's like, I'm done, I'm done, not paid enough. I've done my job. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> you just hear in the distance. Bye. <laughs> and, the, and the best worst part is that you, you you cut back to Megalon, who whose name is in the title of this movie, who is on the ground and he just looks up and you just see Godzilla on one side and Jet Jaguar on the other side. And it's like, oh, man, <laughs> mm -hmm. he is not having a good day. No. Uh, so that is when we get, as I said, the the most perfect scene in cinematic history. Um, if you've watched season three or through four six of uh mystery science theater 3000 or three through five you've seen this scene in the opening credits of godzilla doing the flying tail kick it's uh it's magnificent it's just so bizarre and crazy you know yep. in in hedra a couple of years ago we had godzilla flying where he tucked his tail between his legs and blew the atomic breath and flew like a jet engine yeah and which as, is weird yes and as as inane as that is this is this is crazier but also funnier it's just so perfect i ever again it's, i first saw this movie i was probably six when i saw this on on vhs and i'll talk about the vhs history of this movie but i've loved it ever since then and i never get tired of it and i'm and i'm 41 years old and it brings a smile to my face see godzilla flying across his on across his ground on his tail to do a, a missile drop kick oh dude no i was i was laughing i actually laughed out loud when i watched it again and uh and Again, he didn't do it once. He did it twice. Jet Jaguar literally is holding him. Drop kicks Megalon. He motions again to do it again. And so yeah. he spliced in the replay and he does it a second time. <laughs> it's the, I'm like, you know, as weird as that looks, I, I dig it. I, it seems appro It just seems appropriate at this yeah. point in the fight. 
going to make sure we know what the score is here, bro. You know? Right. Right. So <laughs> then, he is uh, the champ. You got to make yeah. sure you put him over. <laughs> the the one that then, the, the other one that I wanted to note is then uh, Godzilla picks up Megalon and slams him over and over by his tail. Yep. Uh, we well, would see. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, Megalon doesn't really have a huge tail. Did, was it by the tail or was he by the, uh, either way? He's slamming him over and over again. Yeah. And that scene, of course, um, Hedra is slammed in much the same way. Anguirus will be slammed up and down that way by the disguised Mechagodzilla in the, in the next film. Mm-hmm. So this appears several times in uh, in films where uh, Nakano does the special effects. I get the idea that this was one they figured out how to do fairly easily with the wire work, and it looked good. So that's why they went to the well and did it several times over the span of a, just a few years. And and, I, and it's welcome, again, because it's, it's an, again, a crazy-looking scene that you never saw Godzilla do in the 60s, really. Whereas here, throwing guys around and stuff like that, like that's more like the, the superhuman Godzilla of the, of the late 60s and the 70s. So I'm down with that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I really dig it. Again, I go back to you really can make a lot of analogies to watching a wrestling match. And... It's a lot of fun. I don't know how else to spin it. It, it is it is just a ton of fun to watch the fight. And, and for anyone who's a fan of giant monsters, would just sit back and be like, you know what? Uh, crack me open another beer. This is good times. This is good times right here. Good times, great memories. Absolutely. Um, so uh, Megalon flees, drills back under the ground and runs away and come back yep. and hopefully fight another day in a yep. video game or comic book. Yep. And... Um, the uh, and and the Cetopians seal all the entrances and exits so that uh, they they are now back in their underground uh, kingdom. Now uh, about that, he says that over and over again. So seal all the entrances, seal all the entrances. And I'm sitting here going in my head, how many did you have? Because I I only thought you had I guess in theory the one in Easter Island and then the one theoretically that Me- Megalon came out of. How many did you have, and what did you think was going to happen if you left them open? Because nobody knows you're doing this. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> and, uh, and and we'll get, and uh, the answer, I'm sure, will be forthcoming very soon. Because <laughs> we've only been waiting, like, you know, 48 years. I'm sure that we'll get an answer at some point. Oh, man. That'd be an interesting dig deep into the well if you pulled out Megalon and Gigan for a new Godzilla movie. Oh, man. Well, you know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we we got Gigan in Final Wars. You we know, did. We never got Megalon again. So Gigan is more popular than Megalon. But in, in Japan, I would argue that Megalon is pretty dang popular over here in the States just because of how ubiquitous this movie was for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it has the history, and and like you mentioned, you're going to go into the, I, you understand the VHS history better than I do, but I mean, it got it got a lot more love than you would think here in the U.S. Heck, one time I recall, um, I swear we were at your apartment, and we flipped on the TV, and we caught the very tail end, and both of us were looking at going, is this Godzilla versus Megalon? Who the hell reproduced this in widescreen? Yes. That was when sci-fi started showing the uncut one, and it was widescreen. It's like, what? It looked good, too. I'm oh, like, man, man, if I could get beautiful. a copy of that. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, uh, both the enemy monsters have retreated. Uh, my, one, another favorite scene of mine, uh, Jet Jaguar and Godzilla shake hands, mm-hmm. as, as the two baby faces would do. And uh, Godzilla says, okay, I'm outie. And uh, goes heads back off to uh, go return to Monster Island. Uh, Jet Jaguar then 
shrinks back down and uh you know they he goes back and he's hanging out with uh with Goro and Roku and Coolbro and uh you know we get the 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 one line denouement we'll have to tell this we'll have to warn the scientists to be more careful <laughs> You're right. They did yeah. have that line. <laughs> I just, I just picture, you know, uh, Goro going to the phone. It's like, hmm, boop, 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 boop. Hello, scientists. This is Goro here. I think next time you need to be more careful. I Thank mean, you. <laughs> to be fair, he is an inventor. So yeah. if anyone would have the number to the scientists, it right. might be the inventor. Yeah. Uh, then we, we, uh, yeah. Somebody get Washington on the horn right now, but, uh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but, uh, so then we get the closing song, Godzilla jet Jaguar. They punch, 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 which is, uh, it's a goofy one. It's right up there with the Godzilla March from, from the previous film. Yeah. Uh, but Hey, you know, it was, they, again, they, they, they were making songs like this so they could sell records and, you know, for the, there, it's a novelty song. So oh, that's fine. It, that, that doesn't bother me. It's, it is, it is kind of silly. Just they punch, 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 you know, Godzilla <laughs> March was marginally less silly, you know? Yeah. But, but again, uh, I, I, I continue to stand by the argument that this is a fun movie. So it's mm-hmm. okay. Yes. So that is the end of our story. I, I think I know this, but Joe, what do you say? If 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 the listeners out there have somehow not watched Godzilla's Galan, you think they should check it out? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm 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 surprised. Even even an enthusiast like myself, who's not super dedicated, has watched this movie multiple times. Uh, but if you haven't watched it, by all means, go watch it. And oddly enough, I do kind of recommend you watching this first before watching Godzilla vs. Gigan, because Godzilla vs. Gigan, in my opinion, is a far superior movie from a story standpoint. <laughs> yes. So you won't you won't feel as cheated if you watched it in the chronological order. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the thing. So I, I agree. I mean, it, it's like you said, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I've loved this movie since I was a kid. As goofy and strange and unusual as it is, even for this series, which has some oddball stuff in it, you know. Yeah. But it is. It it plays a lot more like a TV show than it does a Godzilla movie. But as if if you're a fan of not only a fan of Godzilla, but if you're a fan of like Ultraman, this is right up your alley. Jet Absolutely. Jaguar is a great a great addition as the robot hero. Even though, you know, the joke that he looks kind of like Jack Nicholson in a turtleneck, dead on, you know, dead on, dead on. I was, I was trying to figure out a way to work in the Jack Nicholson bit, but I couldn't think of a good one. So I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you, uh, yeah, two, two really cool villains in Megalon and Gigan. I mean, I'm a personal fan favorite of mine is, is Gigan and Megalon, I I think gets, deserves more, more play than he gets. Frankly, I think he's a, he's a well-defined monster. It's it's just a lot of fun. This, This is one, especially also. If you've got kids or maybe nieces and nephews, you know, that kind of situation, it eat this up, you know, because this this is definitely operates on kid movie logic in a lot of ways. Yes, it's very and, concrete thinking. It's very it's like this. OK. Yeah. And they run with that. And so it kind of works out that way. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It very much kid logic. But I, I could see and I think that's why it's such a charm for or for those of us who kind of grew up in the time period of the 80s and got to see this movie. It, it kind of sticks in. Like for me, technically, I didn't see this movie until I was in college, 
And it still sticks with me because, you know, from the video game, I was going to love the character one way or the other. So when I got to see the monster on the big screen, I'm like, this is pretty slick. I mean, the yeah. story's crap, but, the you know, the monster fight is fantastic. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> if you're coming at from that from a video game side, that's okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it is, it is kind of interesting, though. You know, we mentioned that, you know, I made the comic Godzilla versus Gigans a, a far superior movie from a story standpoint. Looking at the story and looking at the, the antagonists in that movie, Megalon makes a lot more sense as a space monster. Yes. So it's kind of a shame he didn't get to have like a cameo first appearance uh, in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, alongside Gigan um, before having a separate one. And, and like you said, as, as a TV series, it kind of would have been interesting to see Godzilla versus Megalon as a TV miniseries. Like, I could see this as, like, I don't know, a four to six episode mini, and you'd have more time to flesh some things out, do, like, you know, a, a you know a half-hour show um, in, like, six episodes. It'd be kind of interesting to see how that would have played out. Yeah, we would have learned but a lot more about Cetopia, maybe their relation to Space Hunter Nebula M. You know, maybe yeah. explain how the heck Jet Jaguar can increase his mass. You know, I mean, there's, I, this is science fiction, Luke. There's only so much we can explain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we've, we're suspending the disbelief that we can have giant robots as a result yes. of nuclear um, weapons and nuclear testing. But how the hell does he gain his mass like that? How does that robot do that? I don't yeah. So if you uh, so that's the thing I mentioned the, the the VHS history of this movie. So it was it was believed it was never actually the case, but it was believed for a long long time that the edited Cinema Shares U.S. version was believed to have fallen into the public domain. This resulted in numerous numerous cheap VHS and early cheap DVD releases of this film out there in the edited U.S. version form. This was not the case. The film was never in the public domain. Now, this was this belief was so widespread that even Toho believed the film, the edited film, to be in the public domain and did not do anything as far as enforcing these releases. Wait a minute. I had, yeah, I had a, a, go ahead. Don't they have a legal department? How the hell do they miss this? I that, I don't know. I, again, it, it's I've 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 talked to other fans about this, and they're like, "Well, you know, why were they doing this?" It's like it wasn't that you know people in the U.S. just assumed. Even Toho believed this was the case because of you know because the uh, the problem I think is that if you watch the Cinemasaires version, I think they cut some of the copyright stuff off on the title, oh. and so it's it's it's. The most famous example of this, of course, is Night of the Living Dead, which is in the public domain because the titles don't have the copyright information on them properly. So it it is now that movie is in the public domain because there just never existed a copyrighted version just based on the titles. Wow. So so that that was what the belief was. So when I was a kid, I had a big box version of this from Star Maker Cinema. That was called Godzilla vs. Gigan. It was a big white box. It was it it was just wrong on so many levels. The cover actually had Godzilla fighting Mechagodzilla on it. <laughs> you can imagine my disappointment, six year old Luke being like, "I want to see Mechagodzilla," and you get Megalon. It's like, well, that's the, that's not Mechagodzilla, is it? I mean, I still like the movie. I mean, I still went bananas for it. it had Gigan in it too, but that that giant box I had for years. I don't know what happened to that that giant box, but there's you can go and find all sorts of. They're 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 harder to find now, but back in the heyday of VHS. 
it was very easy to find cheapy versions of this uh in in the in the 2000s or the maybe maybe 99 2000 somewhere on there toho figured out wait a minute that's that actually the case and they reestablished their and reasserted their, their copyright over the film so if you want to get this film um it was um it was available on dvd and i think blu-ray from i think it was uh tokyo shock i think was the name of the outfit which was i once had blue underground's uh, uh kaiju um uh wing and right now you can go on amazon you can get it godzilla vs megalon and destroyal monsters on a double feature on dvd for 25 dollars which is is pretty decent but if you're you know Again, if you're a Showa Godzilla fan, your best bet is probably getting that Criterion box set. I don't think the film will ever look better here in the U.S. than it does on that uh, uh, that that box set, that Criterion set. You can also get the Blu-ray of Godzilla vs. Megalon as well if you prefer just to get the single Blu-ray. So it's you know it it is out there to get and uh, and it's readily available. It's still in print, so if you're interested in it, you can pick it up. What you can't find because believe me, we've looked, is the Mystery Science Theater 3000 Volume 10, which mm-hmm. originally contained Godzilla versus Megalon because Best Brains, again, operating under the assumption, as everyone else had, that Megalon was in the public domain, thus they were free and clear to release it. Um, Rhino released that DVD set and were promptly hit with a cease and desist and said, you don't have the rights to, to release this. They pulled it back and released volume 10.2, which replaced Godzilla vs. Megalon with another giant lizard movie, this one actually actually in the public domain, which is the giant Gila monster. Wow. Which is a funny, funny movie in its own right, and a great episode, but not Godzilla, you know. Um, this also noteworthy, then, they on the Gila monster disc, they did a little short where it was it actually brought back Joel Hodgson, Trace Below, and um, and Frank Conniff. And they did a little scene where they were explaining that you were supposed to take the Godzovers and Megalon disc and throw it in the garbage and replace it with the the upgraded disc, which was a giant Gila monster. This was the first, I mean, this was, it's classic. It's like, just take that disc, just throw it out, you know? But, uh, but you had Joel as Joel, you had uh, Trace as Dr. Forrester and Frank as TV's Frank. And um, Trace is playing Crow. And then Frank is actually playing Tom Servo, which is the first and only time he played Tom Servo. Oh, wow. But it was great just to get this little bit of, you know, Joel and Dr. Forrester and TV's Frank era Misty host segment. Just a little five minute clip talking about, you know, it's like, Frank, you got the wrong giant lizard movie. You were supposed to get the other giant lizard movie. It's like I called Toho and they said, no, no, I don't speak Japanese. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So if you ever find out in the wild at a used bookstore or something, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, Volume 10, buy it. Okay, just just put it out there. Buy it and then send me an email, earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. Uh, <laughs> just do but, it. Yeah. <laughs> In all, in all seriousness, um, you know, uh, I, I'll throw it out to you, the listeners. Do you have good memories of uh, Godzilla versus Megalon? Did you see this as a kid? Uh, do you remember that Misty episode? episode is freaking hilarious. Also, I'd like to point out, it has my favorite host segment of all time, which is the Orville Redenbacher host segment. Oh my god, that yeah. one's oh, that is such a great bit. <laughs> yeah. 
And this is one of the best bits ever. <laughs> what do you care? You can't afford it. You're flat busted. You're going to be eating a lot of cheese. Government, Government cheese. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I cannot tell a lie. The first time I saw that episode, I was probably 10 years old. In my in my room, watching TV when I was supposed to be lights out after bed, almost peeing my pants. I was laughing so hard at the Orville Redenbacher sketch. Oh, but uh, good times, great memories. But uh, yeah, so you can send in uh, send in your thoughts. Earth Destruction Directive at Yahoo.com. I'd love to hear from you. You can talk about them here on the show. We can also, of course, be on. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us uh, find me on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube. So all sorts of ways uh, to get in touch. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a wonderful episode. Thank you so much. Is there anything, uh, uh, anything you want to plug or, or any, any place else we can find you or anything else you want to talk about? No, uh, first off, thanks for having me, man. Uh, be happy to do any other future ones. Uh, again, if we wanted to do a horribly polarizing episode of final wars, I'd be more than happy to be a fanboy for that. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything specific to plug. I do have delusions of grandeur of starting up a channel, but if I ever do that, I'll be sure to share it with you so that I can plug it at that time. Um, so yeah, I'm just grateful. Thanks for having me on, man. Maybe we can do another wrestling app or another, you know, giant monster flick app, uh, at some point in the near future. Hey, I would totally be down with that, Joe. Always welcome here on Earth Destruction Directive. And speaking of which, I would like to take a moment to thank all of you, yes, you, the listeners, for John, for downloading the show and listening and to remind everyone that Earth Destruction Directive is for everyone. All are welcome here at Earth Destruction Directive. If you uh, consider yourself a fan of Japanese giant monsters in any capacity, if Daikaiju brings you joy, you are welcome to be a part of the show and interact with the show however you would like. So I appreciate everybody and, and thank you again. So, uh, Joe, thank you once again for coming on. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed this show. Come on back next time. I'm sure we got something good. Should I tell them what it is or should we let it? Should we let them stew on it? What do you think? Oh, let it stew, man. Let, let it, it stew. stew. Let it stew. You can't. It's it's like chili. If you start taking the lid off, it's not going to cook right, man. I'm just telling you. So we will. We I, I, I know what the next episode is. It is something I think uh, talk about polarizing. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, we'll let everybody think noodle on that one for a while. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Please come back next time. And uh, thank you again, Joe. And until then, keep them stomping. This has been Earth Destruction Directive, a Daikaiju podcast produced and created by me, Luke Giaconetti, as part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, available at twotruefreaks.com. This is a fan work celebrating the history and culture of Japanese giant monsters. All movies, TV shows, comic books, characters, and other intellectual property is copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended or implied. If you would like to send an email to the show, you can email me at earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. I try to respond to all emails, and if you send in some comments, I will read them on the show. All episodes of Earth Destruction Directive can be found at 2TrueFreaks.com. You can also find the show on your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Earth Destruction Directive. You can even leave a review on your podcatcher of choice if you'd like. You can find me on Facebook. Just search for first name Luke, last name E-D-D. -D. You can also get in touch with me on Twitter. Just search for the handle 
at El Jacone. That's L-J-A-C-O-N-E. The theme song for this podcast is Future Gladiator by Kevin McLeod, downloaded from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Thanks for listening, and be sure to come back next time for more city-stomping fun here on Earth Destruction Directive. Tune in next time to hear the crusty old podcaster from Oklahoma say, There's a WTF (laughs) moment if I ever saw one.